Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, Damian Mason here. Thanks for joining me on the Do Business Better podcast. Got a returning guest. Her name is Jennifer Peak. You might remember her. She was on our podcast about how to make your business more valuable. That's what she does at Peak Advisory Group there in Kansas City, Missouri, but she works anywhere. Jennifer told us last time what the mistakes are that people make running their business in terms of harming its value. She told us what happens when Sometimes a small business owner is too much the face of the business. She gave us some really good information about what you can do to make your business more valuable, if you are, even if you don't want to sell it. Well, I want to have her back on the show, and I'll tell you why. She's a business owner herself. She has several employees. She started off in 2010 with Peak Advisory Group. She was a CPA with a master's degree at working in corporate and then started her own business. And so I wanted to bring her back because we all are business people. Most of us have started our own businesses. And hey, why not talk to a person that tries to make other folks' businesses more valuable on what she's learned herself? Jennifer Peak, welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. Thank you. Well, you were a great guest last time when we had John, and that's why you're back. And now we're going to talk about you. Okay. Last time you said, here's what companies do wrong. You said, here's what they do right. Here's why you don't want to always show, you know, a half million dollars of expenses against your company just to lose, uh, you know, to, to lose money so you pay less taxes. You gave us a lot of input like that. Now, here's the thing. They talk about the cobbler's kid that has no shoes. Talk about the doctor's kid that has a runny nose. You advise businesses on being a more valuable business. You yourself, Jennifer, are a business owner. You've got several employees. You're a service provider. You have a book of clients. You're a lot like us. Tell me about being a business owner and what the, the leap was nine years ago. Well, the leap was certainly um, different than I expected. I think a lot of us could say that, you know, in hindsight, if I'd known, if I'd known then what I know now, um, what would I have done differently? And, and would I have done it at all? Um. You, know, Je you know, Jennifer, there's an interesting thing. Um, my book, Do Business Better, I have a, a point in there that I make because I've been in it for 25 years. I quit my job, corporate America, just like you. You were working in corporate for a large organization. I was working for a Fortune 400 company, and and uh, I quit my job. And I remember a couple things. First off, folks would always say back then, well, I guess if I was 25 years old, I'd probably go ahead and try something different too. I'm like, no, bullshit. You were 25 and you didn't. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, you know, the reality is don't use age as the excuse. You didn't because you don't have the backbone, the fortitude, the creativity, the whatever it is. So don't use age as excuse. The second thing that I make a point in my book, Do Business Better, is when folks say, well, looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm like, are you stupid? I change a lot of things. I've done a lot of things wrong, haven't you? Oh my gosh, I I have a list. I have a list. Okay, so you're. I just try, I tried to learn better. I try to learn faster now. Yeah, well, that's a big part of it. You know, uh, I always say screwing up at full speed. We've been doing that for 25 years here. Um, okay, so there you are. You're working for a large corporation. You're you're the CPA. You obviously know about money and. I'm just going to take this little guess. You probably, you had been a CPA, you were an auditing CPA, then you became a corporate CPA, right? 
Yep. Okay. And I'll bet you, you sat there at different times across the table from a client and thought, God, you're screwing up. I could do better. <laughs> and you probably almost arrogantly thought it was going to be easier than it was to go out on your own. Am I right? Of course. Of course. How hard could this be, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I guess I, I kind of make that point. I'm like, hey, man, I uh, I may not be the smartest tool in the shed, <laughs> but I've been able to string this together for 25 years. And when you get to where you can string something together for 25 years of making your own, uh, your own way, I think you must have done something right. So you're in your ninth year. Tell me about the first year. You quit corporate and then what? Well, when I first started out, and I, and I think a lot of service providers who have an expertise, accounting, IT, whatever that may be, kind of go this route as well. You just you start on your own, hang out a shingle, become an individual consultant and start having coffee with everybody that you could possibly have coffee with. And <laughs> so you learn a lot yeah. of things. Um, yeah. And, and you're, of course, thinking you're like, well, I got paid all this money for this large corporation to do right. this task, which in your case would be accounting. Uh, surely to God, the world needs accountants. How hard can it be? They'll probably come knocking on my door. Right. Yeah. And then you found out that just because you have a shingle hanging outside of a door and you have experience doesn't mean that clients necessarily are going to come beating down your door. That's right. And, and, and one of the things that I learned in that whole process also was who do I need to be talking to in terms of getting clients versus who is my client going to actually be? So one of the things that's true for us is that we are not necessarily the first group that somebody who wants to buy or sell a business calls. So it's my focus changed from trying to reach business owners directly to yes. building relationships with bankers and attorneys and investment bankers and business brokers Got because it. those you are the folks that have the immediate touch. You thought early on, you thought, okay, I know how to help companies get bought and sold. I was in the mergers and acquisition department for this huge conglomerate at one point in my life. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to make sure that all these little business owners out here that are not mega corporations, these smaller business owners, they're going to just know who I am. I'm going to have coffee with them. And then when they want to sell or value their business, they're going to call me up. And then your phone never rang and the emails never came in because that's not who you needed to be talking to, right? That's right. That's perfect. That's a perfect synopsis of what happened. And so what I'm hearing then is you're, you're thinking, wait a minute, it turns out if uh, mom and pop own uh, four sandwich shops, if, uh, if Gladys over here has an insurance agency with six employees and is banging it up, she's not looking for Jennifer Peak of Peak Advisory Group on how to put a value on her business, nor is she looking for Peak Advisory Group to sell her business. She's probably going to say to her banker, or to her own accountant, or even to somebody she knows in the insurance business uh, in another city or state, hey, I'm thinking about selling, right? Yep. And then how do you get called? So we get referred. Like 100% of our business historically has been through referrals. So our trusted strategic partners, um, you know, Gladys calls them. And then they refer Gladys to us. And in some cases, we work with them 
you know, with a business broker or a banker. And in some cases, we just work directly um, and only with Gladys. Got it. Depending upon what she's trying to do. You just charge so, a set. Do you charge a set fee, Jennifer, or do you charge part of the part of the sale? No, we don't. We do not have any contingency fees or success fees. So we charge fixed fees. And then do you get customers that aren't even going to sell? They just say, uh, for instance, I guess maybe mom dies and now we've got to figure out what mm -hmm. this thing is worth. Uh, that way we can figure out for the estate or so that I can buy out my brother or whatever, right? Those kinds of calls? Yes. Yes, we get those. Okay. And then uh, what about the person that says, hell, I just don't know what we're worth. I guess I kind of need an audit. Does anybody ever do that? Yes. So they do do that. And one of the things that, that we like to do with folks um, who have those types of questions is, is what I'll call that, that light touch valuation. We also look at um, kind of their books and records. I wouldn't say it's a full forensic audit, but we look at some of those things. And we also look at, are they considering making some changes in their business and how might that impact the value over the next three years? So if they were going to start a new line of business, if they were going to add another product, if they were going to stop selling an old product, we can help them look at different scenarios like that to see what impact it would have. Got it. So uh, tell me about being a business owner. You quit your you quit your corporate racket nine years ago. You start up Peak Advisory Group. You learned a lot because you learned it was a little harder to get clientele. That's one of the things I always talk about. I, I have a woman that I, I know, I've, I've worked with her in the past, and she has a corporate job. And she said to me several years ago, I'm just going to start off on my own. And I said, what are you going to do about getting clients? She says, well, that won't be a problem. I mean, I'm really good at what I do. And I said, yeah, but what's your method of getting clients? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I have them now. I said, you have them now through the corporation that you have a non-compete with. How are you going to get clients? Well, I don't see why it'd be an issue. And I said, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, and it, it's interesting because I'll just use a, a, a side note. I talk to buyers um, of companies or potential buyers of companies, and they get very focused on the expenses of the companies. And so they ask me, you know, well, what else do I need to be worried about? I'm like, sales, you need to be worried about sales. <laughs> yeah. None of the rest of this even matters. Right. <laughs> you yeah, don't yeah. have any sales. Yeah, yeah. Until somebody sells, nothing happens. Uh, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. You need revenue. So you started your own business. When did you hire your first employee? On day one? I, I did not. So I did a lot of work on my own. And when it became too much for me to do all on my own, I started hiring employees. Okay. And that was probably about five years ago. Um, so I've, I've, and I've added folks as I've gone along, um, we have, and, and added people with specific complementary types of skill sets. So, you know, I have another CPA on my team and she's very hard, what I call hardcore accounting. Um, but then I have other people on my team who are more about financial modeling and, and, and budgeting and forecasting. So we have a compliment uh, on the team. And I found that to be important, um, because no one project is the same as any other project. And it's, it's nice to be able to kind of workload balance between those different people. Got it. Uh, you got what, four employees now? I do. Okay. Yep. And, uh, going from being an employee with a big company to being a self-employed, then to being a, an employer. Tell me about the adjustment. 
You know, it, it was, well, of course, of course, the big step from being an employee to being self-employed is that whole paycheck thing um, and the, the consistency of it. So it's, it's always exciting, I think, to be in charge of your own destiny until, well, you're in charge of your own destiny and you got to go find those clients. Uh, so that was that was probably the biggest thing. Um, the- of course, Jennifer, I, I will tell you that, uh, and I've said this a number of times on this podcast, when folks want to meet with me, and I don't do the pick your brain thing yeah. anymore, first off. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain? I'm like, well, first off, I don't drink coffee. I think it's disgusting. Secondly, you want to pick my brain. Buzzards pick the brains <laughs> of roadkill. I don't want my brains picked. But more importantly, a lot of folks think, well, you've been self-employed and successful. I'm going to start this thing. I just want your, I want to pick your brain. I'm like, well, what the hell do you think that 25 years of the knee scrapes and bruises and tears and blood and sweat aren't worth something? So I don't do a lot of that, but I do have friends that talk to me about business stuff. And they say, I'm thinking about quitting and starting my own thing. And I say, can you go for one year without making any money? No, no, no. I got this idea. I said, can you go one year without making any money? And you just talked about that. You went from having a paycheck and a darn good one, I'm yep. sure of it, to not getting paid. <laughs> 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 I mean, right. and I do think you have to. I, like, it, it, it's, it's um, you know, it's, you can say this about so many things in life, right? But it's going to, it's going to take twice as long as you think it will and cost you twice as much. And the cost you twice as much might just mean that you don't get a paycheck for a year versus six months. Uh, but yep. you know, it's, it's going to the investment that you have to make, even if quote unquote, it's just your time is, is going to be more than people think. I mean, to, to go back um, to the, the woman that you were talking about where she said, I have all these clients, but she still works for a company. I mean, I didn't have a non-compete, but I wasn't going in, relatively speaking, to the business that my old large corporate um, company was in. So it wasn't that sort of an issue. But I had spent my entire career building my network inside that company. When I left, that network didn't work for me anymore, and I had to go build an entirely new one, and that takes time. So, you know, one piece of advice that if anybody asks me what my one piece of advice is for people who are thinking about leaving their nine-to-five job and going to start their own company is you should start building your network on your new thing before you leave your old thing. Um, isn't there a book out there about digging your well before you're thirsty and all that kind of thing? I always talk about reinventing because I've had to do it. And when you're backed into the corner and you have no choice but to reinvent, you're pretty damn desperate. Uh, better to start the reinvention, just like you're saying, better to start cultivation of clients with your networking before you have no choice but to cultivate those new clients. That's right. All right. So you're a business owner now. You got your four employees. And I am going to go to some of my standard questions I ask business people. In my book, Do Business Better, I talk about four traits, the success traits they are. And I came about with these, uh, Jennifer. Years ago, I was asked to be a guest lecturer in an entrepreneur class. And all the kids in the entrepreneur class talked at great length about the need for a formal business plan. Uh, and then they asked me and I said, I, I don't have one. I've never had one. Business plans are great to borrow money, not necessarily uh, important to make money. But you need these four traits. And they are risk tolerance, drive, resilience, and vision. 
first off, do you think I'm right that those four traits are more important than a formal business plan? And secondly, which one of those traits describes you most? Okay. Well, the first question is really easy. Absolutely. The answer is absolutely. You've got to have those four things. You could, otherwise it doesn't matter. You won't be able to execute on a business plan if you have one. So, um, and gosh, but choosing one of these, I'm going to go with resilience first. Is that, is that your thing? That's my thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I'd say for me, uh, it's probably resilience and then drive. One or the other um, is probably the two that more describe me because, yeah, certainly we all take risks. You start your own business. I started my own business. Vision, yeah, I, you got to look at where you're going. But the ability to, I, you know, I would say that it's like I won't be beaten. That's kind of my thing. It's like, by God, I'm going to, I'm not going to be put down. I'm not going to be beaten. And that's the resilience thing. And, you know, we probably overstate it sometimes when we tell people about running your own business that, oh my God, it's like a war out there. (laughs) It's not right. Right. But you do get knocked down. Yeah. And and you don't have the, I don't want to say you don't have the option, but there, but it is you, right? There is not somebody who's going to be behind you, picking up your stuff, making sure your business works, forcing you to continue on. Um, unlike an employer might when you show up in the office and they're like, here's your stuff. Right, right. right. Or even worse yet government. And I, I tend to make oh, yes. about that when, you know, every time a government entity screws up, it's because they didn't have enough funding, didn't have enough funding, didn't have enough people to have a funding. Well, nobody has ever given me in 25 years of me running my own business that option, right? Right. Uh, okay. A good habit do you possess that's helped you for these nine years of running your own thing? What's your good habit? I would say that my best habit is thinking longer term. Um And for me, the reason that that's important is because it helps you stick with the resilience and, 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 and keep going. Um, if, if any business owner was only focused on the short term, they would just give up. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, where'd you you do wrong? What have you done wrong? I mean, granted, you know, the money and all that, where'd you, where do you look back now and be like, geez, that took a, that took a year of me, uh, adjusting to get, you know, where it shouldn't have been. What did you screw up? Well, the, the the, really two things that kind of go hand in hand and, and we've touched on them. One is I didn't appreciate the need to be developing a network, um, before Mm -hmm. I started my own company. Um, and then the second one was it took me much longer than I would like to say that it did to realize who I needed to be connecting with in order to get to the clients and actually start doing the work. Yep. Okay. But you've done a lot of things right. Uh, and you're not being arrogant when I ask you the question. It's because I want an answer. What have you done right? What, what like, because I can look at some of the things I've done. I never stopped working. I always created new stuff. And I always promoted. Like those are some of the things I can say. Damian Mason has gotten these things right. I can talk about lots of things I've done wrong. What things have you done gotten right? Um, a, a couple of things. One is I have stuck to doing just very specific things. So there are services that we don't offer, and we get asked about them. Well, could you do this? Well, could you do this? Well, I could, uh-huh. but I don't. That's not the space that that we're in. So I'll give you an example. You know, one of the things that has become a lot more prevalent is fractional CFOs. Um, There's a variety of names for them, but the fractional CFOs. 
And we get questions a lot. Well, can't you just come in here and run this for me? And that particularly happens when we've been advising companies and we're adding value. So a fractional CFO, Jennifer, a fractional CFO means you aren't really an employee. Uh, One day a week, you show up at company XYZ and you are their one day a week, two day a week CFO. That's right. That's right. And typically working directly with the business owner um, who often doesn't have any other advice in that realm. Clearly you have the expertise, but you have opted to not do that because it dilutes or distracts. And I think that's where you're going with this. I have, I fight this myself as a self-employed person. I wear a lot of hats and my wife says, careful, don't get too distracted because you're already ADHD and you've already got a full plate. And then you're over here and you're over there and you're you're chasing your tail and it just becomes a a bit of a, a, you get stressed. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, the way that we work with business owners that need that kind of help is, is to do so on a special project basis. And the goal of that special project is to help them identify that long-term solution. Okay. Speaking of goals, you set goals? I do. Personally? Personally and professionally. No real business and, plan, uh, but goals. Yep. Yep. Same with me. I, I do goals and I do them short-term, mid-term, long-term, personal, professional, and I, I do them uh, financial as well so that I got the business, I got the personal, and I got the financials. Uh, do you grade yourself? Because I, I grade myself and I've got a couple of Ds going already and it's September and if I don't get my <laughs> crap together, it's going to be a problem come Christmas time. I always look at them at Christmas time when I'm done yeah. to start my new one. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, I, I do and I try to do an evaluation and a grading kind of at those 90 day, right? 90 day increments. It's, um, it's a natural quarterly basis. And then I also find that it helps me focus on what I'm going to do in the next 90 days. Got it. All right. Her name's Jennifer Peak. She runs Peak Advisory Group. We had her on a while back talking about valuing your business and how to make your business more valuable. This time we had her on to talk business person to business person. She's a service provider. She has four employees. She's just like us. She runs her own business. She wakes up every day, pounds the rocks together and hopes the dollar falls out, right? I love that. That's great. Uh, one piece of advice, knowledge, personal lesson, anyone can apply for a better life and business that you've learned in your journey. Don't give up too soon. That's fantastic. Her name is Jennifer Peak. Thanks for being on here. And if they want to, if they want to contact you, they can find you on LinkedIn. It's Peak with two E's, not an A. Jennifer Peak. They can find you on Twitter at Jennifer Peak. They can find you at Peak Advisory Group. Thanks for being on here. Thank you. Until next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. <laughs>